Welcome to the Freedom to Rise podcast, a production of United Way Suncoast. Here's your host, Bronwyn Baytal. Some Floridians are telling a rosy story about Florida's economy, noting that we lead the nation in net migration and unemployment rates remain historically low. Well, I don't think of myself as the biggest hip hop fan, but the boasts about Florida's economy remind me of the old public enemy song title, Don't Believe the Hype. Although the song is about so much more, the phrase is a word of caution to all of us to be critical, independent thinkers, which requires research. Coming up, we'll take a deeper look into the challenges facing families that live paycheck to paycheck and explain why we need less hype and more action. But first, here's a message from United Way Suncoast. Join United Way Suncoast for its Admiral Society Power Luncheon at 11.30 a.m. on February 16th at the Tampa Club. We're bringing together three dynamic community leaders to help you learn more about determining your destiny. Attorney Ron Weaver, Gulf Coast Jewish Family Services CEO Sandra Bram, and former USF and Seattle Seahawks quarterback BJ Daniels will empower you with inspiration. They'll tell you how to amplify your own goals and align your efforts with philanthropic service. Our three distinguished speakers have each charted a course for success that contains lessons for every aspiring citizen in our region. We'll also highlight the work of United Way Suncoast as it celebrates its centennial and moves into its second century of service with the same collective will that has sustained its community efforts for 100 years. So come out to the Tampa Club at 11.30 a.m. on February 16th for what promises to be an event full of knowledge, wisdom, and motivation. To register and for more information, visit unitedwaysuncoast.org. United we rise, united we win. Welcome back. We're glad you're here. Florida Trends' January cover story previewed the current legislative session through the lens of United Way's Alice Report. We've long known that the story of our state's asset-limited, income-constrained, employed community members belies the headlines about Florida's economy. Yes, hundreds of people move here every day, drawn by a business-friendly environment and a vibrant lifestyle. And yes, the unemployment rate is at historic lows below 3%. But millions of Alice households continue to struggle to get by, even with full-time jobs. We have two guests today to talk about this phenomenon. First, the journalist who led the reporting for the Florida Trend article, Associate Editor Mike Brassfield. Welcome to the Freedom to Rise podcast, Mike. Thanks for having me. Great, we're glad you're here. And to lend some data-driven context to the discussion, we're bringing our very own Aaron Neal, United Way Suncoast Director of Data Analysis. Aaron, welcome to the Freedom to Rise podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. <laughs> We're glad you're here, too. So Mike, we'll start with you. You noted in your article that if you look at one side of the coin, Florida is one big boomtown. Yes. But you also included stories about Alice families that typify the other side of the coin. Can you talk about the dichotomy of the situation and how the story of Tampa's Barb Smith contrasts with the legions of wealthy transplants coming to Florida? Absolutely. Barb Smith is 71 years old, lives in Tampa, works as a caregiver. 
Mm. She volunteers at a soup kitchen run by Feeding Tampa Bay. And last year, when inflation got really bad, she discovered that she needed the soup kitchen's help because she could no longer afford groceries because of inflation. Mm. A lot of people are moving to Florida, and a lot of those people are wealthy. A lot of the people moving to Florida have money. There's a great deal of money coming into Florida. There's a great number of well-to-do people coming into Florida. And this is driving up housing costs. This is driving up costs in general. Florida's inflation is higher than other states. Florida's kind of a victim of its own success in this way. It's attracting a lot of people, but that's putting a lot of pressure on housing and other costs. So there are a lot of people moving to Florida, but we looked at census data and we found that the people moving to Florida have money and that more people who don't have money are leaving Florida moving to other states like Georgia. Mm. What I read somewhere in the article that it's almost four and a half million dollars an hour coming into Florida. Did I read that correctly? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's wow. ridiculous. <laughs> there is an insane amount of wealth coming into the state. Wealth from New York, wealth from California. Wealth from Texas, wealth from wealth from everywhere. It's hard to comprehend, but we certainly see where our families are struggling. So, Aaron, I want to bring you into the conversation because some might argue against Mike's description by noting that Florida's percentage of people living in poverty has declined. It's declined in the years. Why can that percentage number last measured at 12.7% in 2022? Why is that misleading? Almost all my answers come in two parts. The first being is that the poverty line in general is inherently flawed. That's the entire reason why the Alice figure and result even exists. It's based on a basket of groceries from 1965. And today, the poverty line for a family of four says is at 31000 That is nowhere near the cost of any essentials that are in Florida uh, and a great many places as it tries to make one number across every single market across the country. Even for Hillsborough County, we look at the actual Alice survival threshold budget of $68,000 for Hillsborough County. And even at that time of that measurement, we're still chasing the number because as Mike said, those inflation tickets came in really hard and fast, and we're still playing catch up on there. And further off Mike's point, if you have the capacity to move to the state, odds are you're above the Alice threshold. So we saw a massive increase of population the people who are suffering or within the Alice threshold or on the poverty level are still here or they're leaving and they're now getting counted out because of the simple demographic shift of earners that are within our communities. Just to make note, we're one of the few Alice partner states that showed a reduction leading to more scrutiny, which is why we can make these theories of that nature. Thank you. Thank you. That sheds even more light, but what that did strike me because I had the same question you know, 12.7% poverty line going down. How do we account for that? Well, we account for that for four and a half million dollars coming in by the people moving into the state of Florida that's pushing that number down. So that's, you know, one of those important things to keep keep attention on. I was going to add, you know, and there's this common perception that if people with money are coming in, somehow that is trickling down into people mm-hmm. without. And then we'll get down later that later on in this podcast about that examination, but it's simply not the case. Thank you for that addition. And Mike, the Florida Trend article focused on three aspects, the housing crunch, food insecurity, and serious insurance concerns. Let's start with housing. Tell us what you learned about Sarasota County, the lack of affordable housing, and its impact on the labor market. 
Some places in Florida are more expensive than others. Sarasota County, relatively speaking, is an expensive place to live, especially compared to neighboring counties like Charlotte County. It's very expensive living in Sarasota County, and therefore some employers are having difficulty finding workers, attracting workers to work at their places. The Chamber of Commerce talked to me about this. I spoke to, to the largest employers in, in Sarasota County. I spoke to the Sarasota Memorial Hospital. They're having trouble getting nurses, even though they pay nurses a good salary. Mm. They're, they're offering positions to nurses. Nurses accept the positions and then discover they can't find a place to live. And so they don't come here. I spoke with a, the largest private company in Sarasota County, PGT Innovations. They make windows and doors. They're a large factory. And they try to do a lot for their workers. They, they, they built their very own childcare center for yes. their workers. And they keep it open late for swing shift workers. And it's subsidized. But they can't, they can only do so much about housing. They can't build housing for their, for their employees. And so their employees are having to drive further and further and further just to get to work. They're having to drive to neighboring counties. So a lot of, a lot of companies, large and small in Sarasota, are having difficulty filling positions because people can't afford to live there. Working people can't afford to live there. Yeah, that affects all of us. That affects our teachers. It affects whether or not our children get a good education because how, do you have enough teachers in schools to be able to provide that? It affects early learning. It affects, as you just said, our hospitals. I did hear anecdotally that there are more people moving out to the DeSoto area that will still work in the Sarasota County area, which is making it now harder for people who actually live and work in DeSoto to find housing. It's just everything has a ripple effect. So thank you for shining more light on that. And Aaron, obviously housing costs can take a toll on any state economy, but are there factors related to Florida's service-oriented economy that can make housing affordability a more difficult challenge for our state's lower-waged working families? Yeah, and it actually directly builds off, you know, once again, what Mike has said, one in 10 registered nurses within Florida are considered hours and they average at $36 an hour in the entire state. Over one in six teachers, over one in four maintenance and repair workers, nearly two-fifths of all truck drivers and labor movers. And all those numbers come together to show that, you know, even at, at medium or career fields that people would, would highlight as uh, successful to get an endeavor that sit well above $15 an hour are still finding themselves living in that paycheck to paycheck range. The second part as a contribution would be policy around minimum wage. We're slated to get to $15 an hour by 2026 for the entirety of the state of Florida. Um, but currently in Hillsborough County, two earners at $15 an hour would have to dedicate over one third of their pay to afford the monthly rent. The National Equity Atlas states that anything over 30% is considered rent cost burden. So literally, there's no room for savings at this stage. We don't anticipate the housing market to get better. It's just probably going to plateau at best. So, you know, where where is the room for savings for someone to get a house? Where is the inventory? Where is the plan for that? I, I just don't see it baked in the policy anywhere. Yeah, I hear you. Some other numbers that stuck out to me were the 14% overall sort of increase in wages, and yet 25%, 25% increase in housing costs, I believe that began in 2022. I may have that year wrong, so somebody can fix that for me if you'd like. 
And so the idea is that, yes, it's a great thing to hear that wages are increasing. However, they're going right back out the door and causing people to use their credit cards even more, which is compounding when you think of the high interest rate of credit cards. So I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit, but it's something that I thought that 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 visual really stuck with me. We're sometimes using median household income instead of average household income. So we want to build off Mike's point about Sarasota. The average person living in Sarasota uh, County, not average, uh, would have to dedicate 30% of their rent. So it'd be rent cost burden if they had the median household income of $72,000 a year. Mm. And that's not a regular, regular number for many people and, and many professions to just exist in Sarasota, building off both of you guys have said before, is we in this, as a country had a large suburban sprawl moment, especially in the early thousands where people were leaving the city centers and they're usually professionals out to live in the suburbs at given around where I am in uh, the Brain Riverview area. We're now seeing a sprawl of poverty. People who can't even afford to get near downtown or near the suburban centers. And you find them in DeSoto, or you found them even further regions um, out near Ruskin and Sun City Center and having to commute further to get downtown or to those centers where they do work. So we're now at what feels like a second stage sprawl of people moving outwards. And it's just astounding in a bad way. Mike, the cover story we've referenced is just the first part of your work. In February, Florida Trend will continue this story with a specific focus on early learning. What will your readers and hopefully our United Way Suncoast supporters as well learn from that story? Well, Florida has a very real childcare crisis on its hands. And the bad news is it might be about to get worse. Mm. We're talking about rising costs and the expiration of pandemic era subsidies. Both the Florida Chamber of Commerce and Florida Tax Watch, a nonprofit, put out reports late last year about the childcare crisis. And what we learned is that for young families in Florida, childcare has become their second highest expense after housing. Uh, nearly 80% of parents with children under the age of six pay an average of $730 per month per child. And young families with multiple children are increasingly opting for a parent to stay out of the workforce entirely because they can't afford daycare. Adding on to this is the fact that the daycare industry has been kept afloat by an infusion of billions of federal dollars from the American Rescue Plan mm. during COVID. But that's all that's all about to go away. All that money is about to go away. And there's very real concern that uh, a number of daycare centers, childcare centers around the state are going to start to close. Mm. So we're going to have to see how that plays out. Thank you. I really look forward to hearing more and, and reading more in your article. And perhaps we'll get to invite you back to talk a little bit sure. more about that. But Aaron, you've been really candid with our team. You're a new dad. We're very excited for you on that. Uh, do you want to share a little bit with our, our listening audience how important that these decisions are and this availability of childcare is to our community? At the line of my profession, there's a surreal moment when you find yourself in the data. So literally, as Mike said, childcare costs are the second most expensive thing in our household. His daycare currently sits at around fifteen, almost sixteen hundred a month. And you know, a lot of people, upon hearing that, would just say, "Well, just go to a cheaper one." However, those childcare slots and availability and daycares are almost non-existent. After going to eleven, twelve different places, this was the one slot in a twenty-mile radius of my house that was able to get him. And so we just had to make the sacrifice. We're very lucky that he loves it, 
but there's constant questions around how the money is allocated, how the daycare workers are employed and paid, their frequency of turnover, what this means for parents when they don't have someone on staff. All of this is going to be coming up that we're tackling. And so if that's just my experience alone within my role, just imagine what that is across the entire region. Thank you very much. You'll hear me say often that a thriving democracy requires an educated populace. If we don't invest in our children, we're looking at a struggling workforce and struggling democracy as we continue to go forward. So Aaron, you spend a lot of time pouring through data at United Way Suncoast, and we're so grateful for that. And we know that some of the inflationary numbers we witnessed in 2022 continued for Florida in 2023 even though much of the nation saw a cooling in price increases last year. So can you look into your crystal ball, basically your data, and give us a forecast for how Florida's economy will treat Alice families in 2024? I'm going to be earnest and say that the um, outlook of this is just chaotically unpredictable. Mike referenced before that part of the child tax credits that were approved during the pandemic era were gone. The earlier figure I gave that the household survival budget for Hillsborough County was 68000 had those dollars present. And by removing them, the actual household survival budget is seventy-seven k for a, two adults, two children. And that's still an out-of-date figure in the face of inflation and rising costs. So if that number is still lagging behind and we start moving into higher and higher costs, we're at a point where we're leveling off at 30,000 feet with no air. And without meaningful, actionable policy that addresses the lived reality of our residents, I don't see what's stopping it from getting worse. Thank you. (laughs) Not painting a great picture. So that's going to take all of us to make a difference there. And Mike, I want to give you the final word. The cover story serves as a legislative preview. And we know that the legislature is considering a number of proposals to address housing affordability and food insecurity. What are the early indications that some of the proposals you detailed might pass in this year's session? So we took a look at what the Florida legislature is planning to do in 2024. And they would like to bring housing costs down, obviously, but there's not necessarily a magic bullet for that. Last year, they passed the Live Local Act, which is an attempt to spur developers to build more affordable housing. And this year, they're waiting to see how that works. They'd like to bring insurance costs down, obviously. They did some things last year and the year before that to try to try to do that. This year, they're waiting to see how it works, so they're not really working on ins- insurance very much. Uh, food insecurity, they are putting a lot of money into food insecurity. They're spending a lot of money on food banks and soup kitchens, and that's because there's a very demonstrated need there. So they're spending money on food. When I asked legislatures, what are you going to be doing for struggling families, they talk about tax breaks. They're doing some back-to-school tax breaks. They're going to they're gonna do two this year, one before the fall and one before the spring semesters. And that's about it for what they're going to do for Alice families this year, we found. Thank you very much for highlighting those. I can say with that, at the pace at which you know, we're able to make those kind of legislative decisions and they actually get decided on, By the time we're ready, we will have experienced so much more, and I believe in decline um, in our state before we can get to better legislation on some of these issues. So starting now, even though we don't see the kind of progress we would like to see, is not a bad thing. 
it's just I'd like to see us all rally around and get more encouraged and more excited about what's possible and use our voices. So legislative session doesn't mean it's all in Tallahassee. It means that it's us. It means local getting in touch with your local leaders and sharing this great, great article that puts it into perspective and makes it easy to understand. So now we've made it easier for our audience to hear, or easier for our audience to read. You've got the data right in front of you. You can now go and talk to your local representative and let them know just how important this issue is to you. And if you don't want to do it on your own, you can go with somebody from United Way Suncoast. Give us a call and we'd be happy to do that. Thank you both, Aaron and Mike. We're so glad you were able to join us today. This has been a really productive conversation. I want to remind everybody to check out the latest issue of Florida Trend so you can read much more about these issues and get informed. You can also check out unitedwaysuncoast.org. You've got the ALICE data and report on there as, as well as many other projects that United Way is working on to help you be informed about things that are important to you in our community. So thank you all for joining us. And thank you, Aaron and Mike. We're so happy to have you today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, this is great. And now it's time for the big takeaway. Our goal with the Freedom to Rise podcast begins with promoting the mission of United Way Suncoast, your mission. We want to highlight the work of our team and our partners, but we're also focused on bringing clarity to the issues impacting the community members we serve. In an age that's often characterized by misinformation and disinformation, this aspirational goal is critical. We don't intend to criticize those who share a different outlook, but when we believe it's necessary, we have to shine a light on differing perspectives that don't always grab the headlines. Fairness demands that we do no less. Anger and antipathy often gain more attention than altruism and goodwill. But it's the lack of compassion for each and every person in our society that should really fuel our fire for change. When you seek information instead of confirmation, the clarity that comes with knowledge can inspire that compassion. Data and details, stories and statistics matter more than conjecture. In the end, we want the information we present to help create a more equitable playing field for our children and our families. As we often say, we want everyone to have a better chance to create the life they imagine for themselves, their families, their communities. We believe that can happen if we help one another understand the challenges because understanding can lead to empathy. Empathy can lead to action. And action can again remind us that united we rise, united we win. Onward. <laughs>